0: Welcome to Digital Podcaster. My name is Dylan Schmidt and today I have a special guest. this conversation I've been looking to forward to for a while now. Uh, the man's name is Josh Terry. Josh Terry uh, has a thriving social media accounts accounts, I should say, and he has a very distinct style to his videos. So before diving into today's episode, if you have Instagram or TikTok handy, I would suggest looking up the um, guest account, unless you're if you're not familiar with them already. Uh, Josh Terry Plays is the account name. And uh one thing you'll notice in particular, especially on his TikTok, is his distinct style of delivering content. There's not a lot of production into what he's doing. There's not um it's just simple, it's straightforward, it's very consistent and repetitive. And the topics he talks about inside the videos are super some, I would say for the most part, they're pretty deep um, and some deeper than others, but it's not just talking about like simple cat videos, for example. Um, And he has his own podcast called the Josh Terry plays podcast where he uh, just talks about learning theory, mental models and investing. Um, And he interviews different people on his podcast But one of the things that has drawn me to Josh Terry's um, social accounts from the very beginning was just his distinct style, his lack of production, and the way he delivers content and the messages that he wants to share. Because in the videos, he's reading off a screen. He's not looking directly at the camera reading. It's not like a teleprompter. He's uh, looking off to the side. Uh, And I just love uh, a lot of things about that, which we dive into this episode. So no need to talk any further about The man, we'll just dive right into it. Here's my conversation with Josh Terry. Welcome to Digital Podcaster. Thank you for joining me today, Josh. Thank you for having me. So I am a big fan of yours and it's interesting Uh, I I find it interesting, at least in in this social media age we live in, where you can cross, you know, anyone can come across your feed, especially on something like TikTok, uh, and you never really kind of know, but the algorithm seems to know. Um, And you came across my feed, feels like a while ago, um, in TikTok years, uh, which, like, dog years probably. It's like six months is like Very short years. years. Yeah. Yeah. And, And immediately I was drawn right away to... Your style, like everything about like, um, I don't, not a big like TV watcher, uh, like social media, but I love reading books. And I immediately, I was like, I love what Josh is doing. And I go to your page and what do I see? I don't see these hyper-produced videos. I see this, this consistency, this mastery at delivery of one type of format. And I was just instantly inspired i was like save the video follow this is incredible and um i didn't even think of ha- having you on the podcast at first because it was just like i was just in the consumption mode and i was like wait we could talk about this, this is this makes sense um so one of the a lot a lot of other things i want to talk to you about but um what is your background and like how did you get started with making videos specifically for social media because i know you have a music background but i'd love to just know a little bit more back about your background because it Almost like hidden in some ways, if that makes sense. Yeah. um,
1: I grew up in the music and art world and I wanted to be a rock star and I studied music for a very long time and I became a music teacher and I did that for a very long time. Um, As I did that, I was also a content creator um, I am a classic 10 years to an overnight success type of person. Um, when I looked back at what had happened to me, I realized it had been actually exactly 10 years, uh, before I got any sort of success, uh, on social media. Um, I take full credit for being terrible in the past. Um, uh, and, uh, I spent a lot of time making music content that, Wasn't, um, I was a skilled musician, but I was not making music that was the type of music that I should have made. I wasn't playing to my strengths, if you will. And you were playing um, different types of
0: instruments, right? Not just one. Yeah. Uh,
1: I taught, yeah, I taught violin, piano, guitar, voice, music composition, technology, songwriting, and probably some other things.
0: Yeah, I, my background and is uh, audio as well. Like I, I, I think that's maybe why somehow through the ethers, even uh, just in a simple video, my background is audio. Like I went to school for audio engineering, got into some audio production, worked at a recording studio, and then got into marketing and podcasting, and then came across you with more personal development. So I'm like, that's that. This is starting to connect the dots. Okay, so so you're making music, yeah.
1: And, and it's interesting. Um, I, I've noticed that a lot of musicians follow me. Um, I learned a lot of the lessons that I talk about today inside of the music world. Um, uh, I, I, be, I became a workaholic when I was inside of the music world. And uh, I learned a lot about, you know, skill development and all sorts of things in the music world. And uh, I learned to apply them in a lot of different places. And it's interesting that uh, I, I've noticed that musicians do seem to to pop up on my page quite often, uh, uh, comments and things like that. It's neat.
0: Interesting. Yeah. I wonder, it's like, there's a, um, like a certain introspection or something that I feel like you help me identify in myself that it, I'm like, it's, it's, if I had to distill it in the simplest way, it's like consuming, consuming your content makes me, makes me create better content because it helps me kind of realize what I'm approaching. It's like dis- it's taking something that seems abstract and making it grounded and, I guess, real in a lot of ways.
1: I'm really happy to hear that because I-, I-, I really like exploring what you might call the flip side of the coin. I, I really like taking ideas, uh, commonly accepted Uh, ideas of self-development or just ways to live a life and finding an angle of it that people don't typically think about. Um, For example, you know, one that I talk a lot about is this idea of, you know, pushing as hard as you can on something and, you know, never giving up. And I, what I say is, you know, that's great advice for a certain subset of people, but for another subset of people, they're wired to never give up. They're, they're, they're wired to keep pushing. And for them to follow that advice, they're going to just do it too much and it, it'll, it'll wreck them. Right. So, um, I, I think that that type of thinking of, of, you know, taking a commonly accepted thing and, and digging a little bit deeper into it to understand basically, okay, here's a commonly accepted idea. Why is it actually used? What is it solving? So when does it matter in my life, in the context of my life, and when do I need different ideas? I think that that process, one, it's extremely helpful in general to, to do that, but also going through that process seems to help people come up with new ideas and enable them to to come up with their own independent insights and in, in their own creative endeavors.
0: Mm. That makes sense. And It, when I think of, when I think of like my own content endeavors or create creative endeavors, I kind of use content and creative and creation kind of loosely, I guess, or like not loosely, but pretty similar. Um, Especially in the, in the realm of like social media, for example, I, I feel like about once a month I go through existential crisis of like what am I doing only once a month I mean well not that we say about every other day probably but um, <laughs> all right all right you got me Josh it's all, okay weekly <laughs> I mean I was gonna feel really lonely man <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, okay or then then yeah <laughs> not once a month yeah definitely not once a month it's I guess if uh, I have yeah. never really yeah, put it I'm right there computer. with you okay that's good to know that's really good to know <laughs> because it feels like it feels like a constant battle of like talking at somebody and why am i say like rep- in almost a lesson in repetition in a lot of ways do you f- like i'm curious what kind of things you've you've learned from a higher level of creating content so regularly Around different areas, not not the content itself specifically, but just the process, because with music, it seems as though there is a little bit of a different process uh, because you can play the same song and people are like, wow, never heard the song. I, I hear the same song live, but you're just playing the same song and another thing But with content. it feels like constantly trying to say not not something new. But even if it's the same thing in a different way, whereas you can't really do that with this song, you can't be like, well, anyway, here's Wonderwall, Um, you know, (laughs) have you um, probably have thought maybe once or twice about the differences in in content creation for social media versus music, I'd imagine? I
1: have. Yeah. And I I mean, okay, so... (sighs) The existential crisis of the the creative goes deep, right? This is not a small thing. It's—I mean, you can you can break it into simple pieces um, that that are useful. You know, there's there's times when there's immense utility in going, "Hey, look, your 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 existential crisis here in your creative endeavor is just uh, too much indecision." So, you know, it's time to just pick a thing and move on, right? You know, and there's t- there's times when that's that's immensely valuable. But but the actual thing that's happening in that crisis that that creatives find themselves in so often is it's really deep. And what it is is it's it's something that's baked into the nature of your creative, which is to reach out into new things right? So a creative uh, by nature has to reach out into infinity, infinity options, into the the, the the chaotic void of the universe, if you will, grab something, pull it back, take a look at it and go, okay, well, w- what am I going to do with this? And that's, that's what creatives do. There's, there's no way of getting around that, that base level thing is creators come up with new stuff, and it's beautiful. And if they don't do it, they feel like their lives are meaningless. And at the same time, it's incredibly dangerous. It's, it's incredibly difficult to do something like that. It's, it's basically you know going into the wilderness to pet the dragon, you know, as a day job. <laughs> <laughs> you know that that's. That's what being a creative is, and if that's what your life is, then if you want to do it regularly, if you want to learn to, you know, uh, create content often, you you asked me about, you know, what it, what it's been like to to create so regularly, and I and I've I've been posting something every day for the past two years. I guess maybe by now I should probably say two and a half years. I'm not sure, um, but uh, yeah, I've been going at it for a while h- here uh, with pretty good regularity. And if, if you want to do that, I don't know of any other way but to look at the balance of order and chaos. It's 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 a uh, it you know it's <laughs> I, I hate to get so deep so quick, but yeah, in reality, I don't think there's any way to get around it. Is we survive and function by how well well our lives are balanced between order and chaos. Everyone has different needs for order and chaos and uh, everyone thrives at different points. So to give some examples of this, and there's, there's simple terms for it, right? So, uh, um, uh, Tony Robbins is well known for a, a framework of the six human needs, and the first two are certainty and uncertainty, right? And essentially, that is ordering chaos in a lot of different ways. But these things, what what they are, is is we have to have a set of things that we know, and a things that a set of things that we don't know, and we have to have a set of things that are fixed, and have a set of things that can move, and and without that, we cannot survive. So uh, if you think about it in terms of certainty and uncertainty, if you know exactly what you're going to have for breakfast and you know exactly who you're going to speak to throughout the day and, you know, what your day is going to be like and when your next breath is, if you know every single thing about your day, you die from boredom. You go insane. It's just it's not an option. You, you could not do that. Um, on the flip side, if it was all uncertain, if you didn't know what you were going to have for breakfast, if you walked into your kitchen and you looked at that round thing that's white and normally, you know, people put, you know, granola inside of it and you didn't know that object was called a bowl and it could be called anything. You can't function that way. You need a fixed thing that's like, okay, I wake up and there's a box. Like I, there's, there's, there's a, you know, a panel above my sink with a door and I open that and there's a box inside of it and I open the box and I know there's stuff that's edible and I pour that into this big round thing we call a bowl. And then I take this white stuff from the fridge and I pour that. All of those are fixed points. It's certainty. But then also, you know, what you do with your day is kind of up in the air and that's uncertainty. And so we need this balance in order to survive. Everybody needs it and everybody has different needs for the amounts. So creatives tend to need a little bit more uncertainty and they can handle a little bit less certainty. That's their, their preference. They want change. They want to explore. They want to explore ideas. And I'm, I'm going to tie this back into content creation. Uh, th- the problem with it is that when your passion and your work is creative. Now you are diving into uncertainty all the time. So if you're diving into uncertainty all the time, it's very easy for it to take, take over to the point that you don't know what you're going to talk about. You don't know what you're going to make. You don't know what the camera angle is going to be. You don't know, uh, if, if people are going to like it or not, you don't know, uh, how good it needs to be you don't need know if you need to think about quantity or quality or any of the other things that you think about that is where the existential crisis comes from is that mess of unknowns that you desire because you are creative and you want to offer to the world some new manifestation of order where you take those random things and you go This is my thing that I think is valuable. Here it is, world. Take a look. The danger is that it's all too much. So for us to get to a point of productivity where we can create often, we have to look at it and realize, hey, if this is unlimited chaos, if this is unlimited creativity, I'm going to fall into an existential crisis. I'm not going to create. I'm just going to, you know, sit here a a blathering idiot overtaken by too many things. And then you have to accept, okay, that's too much to handle. So what could I handle? And I think the way to do that is to set limitations. Set limitations on uh, some aspect of what you're doing. So that you have fixed predict- predictable elements. And then you have areas that are now pre- essentially protected by those fixed elements that you can play with.
0: And that makes a ton of sense when looking at what, cause it's obvious in one way, I know that there's a part that's not obvious to the, the audience, uh, in your case. That you could say, okay, obviously we know what's fixed in this realm. There will be a camera, a straight to, you know, the camera setup, the camera shot is the same. The, how I'm going to speak is the same. Um, but, and then like what the captions will look like, like the creative element of it, not the creative, but the the visual element, I guess, is going to be this fixed way. Hashtags will be fixed. <laughs> um, caption may be a little different but the message is the uncertain element of of looking at like yours like it would be the uncertain uh variable of your content creation is that right
1: yeah yeah for 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 the people that that don't don't know the stuff that i make i make one minute videos on tiktok and uh these i've gotten sort of uh I guess two nicknames. One is King of Side Profile and the other is Advice Daddy. I'm fine with both. Um, the, but the, did you get, does your license the, plate
0: say Which one does your license plate say?
1: <laughs> oh man, if it's a license plate, it's got to be Advice Daddy. Yeah. I'd assume Jesus. Um, but, but the, the, the videos are all locked in place with the same tripod and, they're all with me looking in the same direction and I just read off something that I've written like a zombie. And that, that's, that's kind of the the, the basic structure of what I do. So um, yeah, there are um, a lot of fixed points in there that enable me to actually be more varied in other ways than most creators are. So, to give you a little background, um, the way I, the reason I was able to start doing this, the reason why I got to a point like that is actually from uh, another era of my life. So when I was 25, I, I did the same thing uh, everybody at 25 does, which is bottom out. <laughs> um life sucked at 25. Um you know, I I was I was depressed and a friend had committed suicide and I was in debt and all of the things. It was terrible. And uh I hit a point where I started to turn things around and and the way I turned things around was I realized that I was obsessed with getting things right and and doing the big dream um you know i i i want i had wanted to become a rock star right that was the thing that i cared about a lot and i was so obsessed with these big dreams that the things in front of me that needed to be get done today felt disgusting they felt shameful they felt repulsive they felt wrong and eventually i had to come to a point where i went well look, you can't do those big things that you think you want to do or that you think you deserve to do or that you think you could become, like whatever you think it is. You're not there, kid, right? You're not at that point. So from that, I sort of started to ask myself this question over and over again, what can you do, right? And what can you do is a very different question than what could you do or what should you do. You know, those, those are very future oriented questions. What can you do is much more in the present. And at that time in my life, the the first, what can you do that I got out of it was I just started taking a trash bag a week out of my house and throwing stuff away. that, That was kind of the first thing. The next thing was like $5 extra on my student loans every month. It did not start glamorously. But here's the thing, when I I gave up on those big steps, and I I asked myself about what I could do now, um, like what I was capable of, currently, those things became an accomplishment. And once something becomes an accomplishment, now you gain pride, and you gain a possibility for a positive loop that moves you forward. So... When I was obsessed with my big dreams, taking a trash bag a week out and putting an extra $5 on my student loans felt pathetic. When I said, oh, wait, no, you are kind of pathetic. You're a mess. Now, taking a trash bag a week and $5 extra student loans is a victory, right? And I was able to look at the impossible things that I was trying to do and set them down probably for the first time in my life. And so over the next five years, I went through this process where, where that was what I just, I did over and over and over again. And I'm still tuning it to this day. And I, I'm, I'm trying to, like, like the people in business that I'm working with, I'm trying to, to say this with, I get them to ask that question. The people that I coach, I, I try to ask them this question over and over again. Like I, I, I'm coming at things from this framework where it's like, okay, the big amazing thing could happen. But what can we do now? And and sometimes you want to think, like, what can we do now to move us towards that thing? But mostly the the more you you focus on what you're capable of now, usually you do 20 things like that of what you're capable of now, and you're a smarter, more capable person who's able to come up with a better dream anyways, right? So um, I, I really emphasize this. So when I... I when I had the shift in content creation, I had made music stuff for years and I wanted to make th- thought content of some f- sort for a long time, but like I'd get in front of a camera and I'd look at the camera and I'd forget my lines and I'd look at a camera and stutter or just, it was a mess. It was annoying and uh, just another point of failure for me. Great, great spot to feel shame, you know.
0: <laughs> all that editing afterwards, <laughs> like I don't want to edit all this. <laughs>
1: oh yeah, it's great. And you get to look at every every flaw of your existence. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's wonderful. Every time. Um, <laughs> I still feel that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I was basically at a point where I had one of the big things that I'd given up on was content creation. Because I realized, hey, I needed to get my life together. I needed to get my finances together. I needed to just, just handle me. So I'd done that. And I'd, I'd set content aside a little bit, sort of given up on it, if you will. And, um, but in the process of getting my life together, I was doing some research and I did some research on, I was looking at buying some houses at the time and, uh, I'd, um, so I was studying real estate and I just found some information that I thought was interesting. And so I thought, huh, I'd really like to make a video about this. This is, this is cool. It's just something I want to share, which is ultimately kind of what all creatives want to do is when it comes down to is there's just something that they want to talk about um and so i started to make another video and i and i I prepared it i wrote a script i you know i figured out how i wanted to share the idea and i got the camera got it set up and i looked at the camera and i started to record remember this this question had been like rattling around my brain for five years like what can you do and I'd been applying it in all these different places. And I, and I started to record. I looked at the camera and it was just terrible as always. I like, you know, I forgot the line like three times because I'm a conceptual person. I don't remember details. That's not Same. who I am. It's, it, it's just not my thing. Yeah. Like, I, like I've struggled with memorization my entire life. It's not going to change. This is like. I mean, yeah, you can develop your memory, but it's like, it's not my pocket. So I looked at the camera and couldn't remember. And then I remembered it. And then I stuttered through it because I felt shame at my existence because I'd been trying to make content for 10 years. And I was looking at the camera again and what will people think of me and I'm a terrible person and all of that stuff, you know.
0: Oh, and, I, I and I was like, this oh, is awful.
1: I <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, here I am, human again. I hate it. <laughs> and so I, I thought, okay, here I am looking at this camera again, and I hate it. What if I just don't look at the camera? I'm bad at looking at the camera, right? I faced up to that. And in a way, that's like the dream of wanting to become a rock star that like you can, you can extrapolate this back down to something as simple as, Oh, look, you want to look at the camera and you're terrible at it. You're not good at it. So I was like, all right, well, I'm not the person who can look at a camera right now. So I won't. So I didn't look at the camera. So I turned away from the camera. I thought, Oh, this is going to be weird. Well, I'll, I'll record it this way. So I started to record it again, and I forgot my line. I was like, ah, I hate
0: this.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I can't remember my lines. I was like, well, okay, what if I just read it off the screen like a zombie? Because I can't remember it. And I went, okay. So I read it off the screen like a zombie, and it went viral. Amazing. The very first video went viral. That's
0: that's like confirmation from the from the universe that maybe something is in the right direction probably right
1: yeah yeah and i mean of course i'm immensely grateful for the fact that i got such fast feedback yeah. right you know that's that's lovely yeah but but the reality is i had been applying this idea in different places for 5 years mm-hmm. um, a lot of the stuff that i'd learned i'd e- learned even before then about creativity right and I'd learned it inside of music. I had a bunch of insights, but I had skill sets that were so ingrained; it was really hard for me to apply these lessons inside of inside of music.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I I ended up with this new subject, right? I I just made a video about real estate because it was just a thing I was thinking about at the moment. And and then I, as I went to to do it, I applied every lesson I could possibly think of that I understood that I knew to be true because it, it had been benefiting me for the fast, past five years as I'd been applying these things and I just applied it to this new place and, and it, it was just so much easier. And then I, I started to do that more regularly. So to tie this back into limitations, because this, this connects I really believe that the limitations should be all the things you're terrible at and all of the things that will give you an existential crisis. (laughs) So my limitations became camera angle. It became, I read off of a script. The limitations became, okay, well, I'm, I'm struggling with all these points. So these are the points that I'm going to make default consistent points. I'm just going to just going to do the thing that is the, the lowest barrier to entry. It gets me through it. And now I can lean on my strengths. So now I have this very odd situation where there's a bunch of things about what I do. That's very, very similar, but I get to talk about whatever I want because I've established so much consistency in other areas that now I get to pick lots and lots of subject matters, which makes me very happy because I like to talk about lots of subject matters. And in the past I've tried to niche down by picking specific subject matters. And it's felt terrible because I'm good at covering different subject matters. That's my pocket. I'm not good at, you know, a bunch of these performative things, uh, that, that don't work for me. um, Now, over time, I get to branch out, like I'm changing some of the production elements of the things that I'm doing now, and I'll do that more over time. But that's just, you know, me growing little by little in the ways that are comfortable. But yeah, I I really believe that like understanding this concept of what can you do and stop doing the things that you're bad at. I, I think that this concept can enable you to start leaning on your strengths and then setting healthy boundaries and limits, um, which, by the way, is a more conceptual term for niching down, essentially, mm. um, uh, setting boundaries and limits, setting boundaries and limits based on your weaknesses, and the things that you don't care about, and the things that annoy you and frustrate you, and the things that you get overly indecisive about that just drive you nuts, set limits there in the things that you do. and then you get to play in the places where you're comfortable and you get to do chaotic things the way creatives love to in, in a place where uh, you're, you're built for.
0: Yeah. That's fascinating. In a lot of ways, what you, you live uh, seems to me like rebellious in so many ways because of, of how frequently people are, have a, well, they have a hard time being themselves maybe when they're recording content and they it's like all or nothing. If I can't create the most original, new, creative thing that, or replicate something else that they saw, then I'm not going to do it. And, and then if I try to keep that up, then I get burned out. So what you're, you're applying in your own life and and showing us, really, I could see how it could easily apply to any type of, creative endeavor whether or not it's social media art learning really um is this i noticed you it applies in
1: entrepreneurship it applies in scaling a business it applies in technology it applies everywhere it's it's absolutely needed and it's and you're right there is a rebelliousness to it it's a rebelliousness against the concept of the problem is you and you need to be better yes because the reality is oftentimes you've been trying to be better your entire life it's not to say you you don't need to be better right there's many times where you need to be better but a lot of the people that struggle with creative endeavors they've tried to be better their entire lives and that is not something they need to keep working on they're already awesome they've already learned tons of stuff this, yeah. this isn't some statement of, oh, you're fine as you are. No, yeah. the people that want to make stuff have worked on being better their entire lives. That's all they care about. Yeah. So for a person like that who tries to improve and tries to build skill sets, if they're running against an impossible problem, their solution needs to not be be better. Their solution needs to be,
0: oh, that doesn't work. Do something else that works. Yeah. Like I've been doing bodybuilding exercises and maybe my goal is to be a marathon runner. Like, wait a minute. Why don't I double down on these actual effective things? Do you think maybe some of that stems from, like in school, it seems like you're set up in a way, we're set up in a way that it's, this is how you're going to operate in the everyday world. You almost need to fit in or you're going to have trouble staying afloat. And when it comes to creative creatively speaking, it seems like here's how you need to create in order to fit in, in order to succeed, in order to keep going. And it's obviously not the case, but from my perspective, perception, especially with speaking with you makes me think of like how ma- how much schooling sets ones up to not think freely. Um, but maybe things, you know, I don't know, maybe Austin schools are different too. <laughs>
1: yes and no Yeah. Um, so yes in the fact that it does manifest in schools no in that it's much much deeper than that so the reality is we are biologically wired to ignore the things that we're best at because humans are imitative creatures Um, from birth in order to learn children have to look outside of themselves in order to survive. That is how you do it. This is an absolute necessity is not bad. And like, I want to be very clear to not judge this principle. It's it's actually necessary. We have to look at others and go, Oh, they're making sounds. What type of sounds are they making? Oh, let me see if I can imitate those sounds. And, you know, they, a baby starts with all possible sounds and slowly el- eliminates them until they're imitating their, their parents and, you know, dada, mama, right? And now, now we're getting somewhere, right? And, and that is in a lot of ways a study in imitation. And then, you know, walking, well, you know, children learn to walk because everyone around them is walking. I don't, I don't know that a child without seeing any other person walking would, naturally learn to walk. That seems doubtful to me. Uh, maybe there's been some studies done. I, I hope not. That sounds like a horrible evil study, but <laughs> you know, I uh, I don't think it would be possible. Um, but generally speaking, uh, you know, all of these things, we have to learn them through watching others. So the thing that comes out of this is What we're doing is we're looking at where we lack and this is the result is is as we grow older, we start to look at where we are lacking and what others have and then we try to build those things within ourselves. We see the skills that other people have, we imitate them and try to develop them. Well, that's good and necessary but with it comes the fact that we spent our entire lives looking outward. We spent our entire lives not looking at what we have, but at what we don't. And how we need to be better. It is the default state of a human being by the nature of development. So if that's the case, what's going to make you notice that you're good at something? It's, It's just not even really likely you know yeah because oh, yeah. It, not even not not only this skill sets are habit forming so the thing that you are best at you were good at it when you were like 2 and you started leaning on it when you were 3 so if you were good at social interaction you probably got good at social interaction Young, very young and now you navigate the world through social interaction but you don't know that you do that because it's just the way you do it because it's a habit it is your default to go oh hey uh, I'm struggling with this let me call this person to help me with it you don't realize oh some people are really bad at that and that's a monetizable skill (laughs) That, that, that would never cross your mind if if you're a person who naturally goes and looks at charts to solve a problem you aren't going to assume that that's a monetizable skill cuz to you it's just what has to be done because your mechanism for solving things was independent analysis right you did this when you were 5 in some form you went and looked at the data and so It became a habit from a very young age. So there's this combination of habit formation and imitation that makes it almost impossible for us to automatically, like without conscious thought, know what we're good at.
0: Do you think social media too plays a role in that? Because we look outwardly, uh, when we imitate, for one, we see what's working and what's going, like what should we be doing in what style, and then... When we imitate that thing, we look to the the markers that show us if we're successful, most of the time being some type of engagement on social media, which, you know, if, if you don't go viral early... Yeah, then, it could be then, a good sign or not. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I like to use the example of Mr. Beast. A lot of people love to emulate Mr. Beast, and I, I argue that a lot of people look at the wrong thing uh so so we look at stuff on social media to imitate but we we imitate the wrong thing like we imitate the signs of success not the actual success. So uh w- when we look at Mr Beast we go and look at what he does now and my favorite video of Mr Beast is his, of his, the video of him that's like I don't know hours long it's like a day long video of him counting to a million or something. Mm-hmm. That's his victory. <laughs> yeah. Was he got himself to a state where he said, I don't know, I'll count to a million on YouTube and see what happens. (laughs) It was his capability to get that open-minded about what he was going to create that enabled him to figure out what he was going to create. So when people look at Mr. Beast, they go, oh, well, um, I see, he created this thing, so I'm going to create it too. It's like... No, you're not. You're not going to outcreate Mr. Beast at what Mr. Beast creates. That ain't going to happen. Yeah.
0: I'm going to give fifty million dollars away. The best <laughs> at it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, like, you're not going to make the same content that that person makes as well as he makes it. But you can look at how he got to that. You can look at the thing that made it possible for him to figure out what his strength was. So I, I think it's it's really, really important to go through this process where you, you figure out what you're bad at and stop trying to get good at it. I mean, there's times, obviously. We'll add the disclaimer. There's times where you got to get good at stuff. But that you need to go through a practice where if you're struggling a ton to do a creative thing, and you feel like you're a natural born creative if you're struggling a ton then you're probably trying to get good at something that you just need to throw out the window and go somewhere else so w- one more thing i'll add to this somebody uh uh i was talking to somebody else about this recently like uh, another element of of finding your strength um cuz cuz uh mostly i've talked about like how wired we are to not notice it. So this is this is a way you can notice it if you want to know that. If you if you're trying to figure out some of the things that you're better at. One of the simplest ways is just to give up on stuff that you're bad at. But you do need alternatives, right? So the the way you do that is observe yourself in activities that must get done that you get done and see how you do them. So an example of this is you need to move. You're going to move. It's not like you're not going to move. You know, the lease is up, you're heading out. And you start to go through the process of moving and you think, okay, well, I need to find a new place to live. So I'm going to look up the crime rates of all the other areas in the city. And I'm going to look up, uh, you know, the, the, (laughs) the rent appreciation over the past five years throughout the city and, you know, five other details. And you start to do that. And then three hours in, you find yourself confused and a mess. And you're like, oh, my God, I don't know where to live. I'm going to call my three best friends and ask them. Okay, so you're good at networking. Yeah. (laughs) Now you know. I was like, three? You got three, Josh? (laughs) Exactly, right? You know, like, like, first, you have three friends. Okay, you're better than average at networking. All right. Teach me. You you, you ask you lean on them for the advice and you have a, like you let's say, okay, let's go farther. You called the three best friends that you have that are good at knowing where to live. <laughs> it's like, okay, so you know about networking, right? You're good at building social networks and communities. That's your strength, right? That's your thing. You're not good at detail oriented work. Now we know that, right? So, these things that you've been doing your entire life that have to get done that you get done if you reverse engineer them often the answer of what your strengths are is within them.
0: I love that. I love I love reverse engineering and I've never heard it in that way of applying it to things you're already doing to identify the strengths because I was I was wondering I was hoping you weren't going to end on the go more into the strengths and then I was like going to be living my life wondering how to apply that because I love it and where I'm are like, my strengths yeah yeah. because you know yeah, it's, and I, it's hard you know, yeah
1: yeah so the, the first thing I I think it's so critical if if you've never tried it like like so many people have not tried this is just give up just give up on stuff that that's sucking right mm-hmm. And I don't mean give up in the way of like, oh, so this thing I tried and I'm never going to try it again. It's gone. It's like, no, 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 Like the thing that you're working on, this particular way that you're trying to do it, just stop. It's terrible. You've been trying it for six hours. You do it every day and it never works. That thing, don't do it. What's the five other ways you could do it? One of them you might be good at. Not always. But you you get a success this way like five times and you start to get a pretty good idea of some of the things that you're good at. Like, I'm good at improvisation. I'm good at working with concepts. I'm good at making mental connections. These are things that I'm good at. I, I come to intuitive leaps on ideas. And that's how I solve a lot of problems. Where you know you know i i mean math isn't my strong suit but using math as, a, as an example i would be the guy that would do a math problem i'd be like oh i know how to solve it and and then like somebody stop me from writing on the board and say how do you solve it i'd go well i don't know just let me write the answer down <laughs> give me a second <laughs> and then i write the answer down and then write the problem afterwards and actually, when I studied math, I started to get decent at it for a little while. Uh, math is sort of more difficult for me, but I actually did that on occasion. Is I would know the answer before I would know the, the solution to the problem because I'm so I'm super intuitive. I, I jump towards things. So you know, if you, if you know that about yourself, it's like okay, so don't put yourself in a position where the only thing that you do is drudgery work. You know, like very. uh measured steps if that's all you do you're gonna you're gonna be out of your zone of usefulness you know all the yeah. time so yeah. so uh, but i i did th- i discovered these you know through this process of, of like you know letting go of stuff that i was terrible at and starting to lean on these other areas just finding new ways to do things that were how i would naturally do them w- one other one other way to approach this that I love is uh, Jack Conte, the uh, founder of Patreon was uh, in a little band called Pomplamoose on YouTube. And uh, they were not succeeding. They were doing a terrible job at being a famous band on YouTube. <laughs> um, they wanted to do a less terrible job. And um, he was like, Writing original songs and they just weren't getting received well, and they were they were great musicians. It just it just wasn't working. So the way he started to think about it is like, okay, let's think about it where it's like there's a box of things that you care about and there's a box of things that you don't care about. And he asked himself, what what do I care about with music? And he says, thought to himself, I care about how the song sounds. So he cares about timbres. He cares about harmonies, melodies, rhythms, instrumentation. You know, what instruments are playing to create what sound? Those are things that he really cares about, and that's his artistic expression. He thought about, okay, so what do I not care about? And he thought about it for a little while, and he realized, oh, I don't care what song I play. So they covered Britney Spears and became one of the first cover bands on YouTube. (laughs) And they got big. Big enough that it was worthwhile to start Patreon. (laughs) (laughs) Because the idea for Patreon came from them trying to monetize Pomplamoose. Wow. And it worked. And it worked because he realized he had no emotional attachment to the song that he was playing. And I'm not claiming that he was bad at writing songs yeah. in this case. It, I don't, I don't know. I actually, I haven't looked up some of his, any of his original songs, but, but he wasn't, it wasn't his thing. He wasn't super attached to that part of what was going on. So he was able to let go of it and then set a limitation, which is in that case, I'm going to just do the mainstream thing. And this is something anyone can do and should do in any creative endeavor, which is take a piece of what you're doing that you don't care so much about and just go with the thing that works. Um, There's a a quote of Elon Musk that is, when starting a company, it's important to limit the number of miracles required for success. (laughs) And the reason why he said that was he was at a meeting of people working on the, what did they call it? Hyperloop. And uh, there's a big debate right now in the Hyperloop of something along the lines of, do we use, I think it was like, do we use wheels or do we use maglev or something along those lines where it's, it's like, do, do we just use a regular old wheel to to run this train on a track or do we use some fancy thing i don't remember if it was levitation or or some other thing and he had kind of gone back and forth on it himself but he thought about it and he and he, he finally concluded look wheels work wheels are pretty simple <laughs> so you know it, it's like we're already doing 20 impossible things to make this new invention so, if we can just use a wheel, let's go with it. <laughs> yeah. So, in your creative endeavor, there's a bunch of stuff like that. Yeah. And it's different for every person. Like, you know, for some musicians, they might care very much about what song they're c- creating, but they don't care in the slightest what instruments they use. Yeah. So, it's like, okay, use a guitar. Yeah. You know, like yeah. guitars work. And with content creation, which
0: camera, you know, which camera do I use? And it's like, yes, do you care about the camera or are you just trying to get the image? What do you, or do you care about the message? And then does the camera affect the message kind of thing is how I would relate it to that. if, If that sounds accurate.
1: And the answer is if you find joy in picking the camera that creates the amazing effect that you want, then you should probably pick the camera. If you don't. If it's just a place where you're having an existential tr- crisis because you're afraid <laughs> that picking the wrong camera is going to make you fail, then yeah. you need to just pick whatever the best mainstream camera is and go with it.
0: Yeah, that is incredible. And I don't I know um, I don't want to take too much of your time. That is you've just distilled down uh, on that section of something that I I teach people podcasting and um, some of the most commonly asked questions are some of the things that they don't want to focus on the strengths. They want to share a message with the world. They don't care about the microphone. They don't care about really the type of camera. Um, a lot of the gear or tools They're like, Oh, is zoom good. Or should I use Riverside at these different apps? And it's like, uh, it's always, I've always felt a, a struggle uh, or a, some conflict because I'm like, it doesn't matter. Like you could record it on a tape recorder, send, start a Patreon, send it out. And that's fine. You could, you know, make duplicate as long as you get it out. The what's, what, what's important to you is getting the message out, which a lot of people, that's their main message, getting that out. Thank you for, <laughs> thank you. I'm like, my mind is like, thank you. There's one, let me, there's one less existential crisis. I, I'll, just, <laughs> I'll send you a,
1: yeah, I'll, um, I'll, <laughs> I'll add one, one last, uh, way of, uh, aspect to it. Like mm-hmm. one, one additional thing, which is, uh, People are, um, they do not, creatives do not look at themselves as humans who need to function enough. They look at the thing outside of themselves and think that they need to make it work. When in reality, if you are a creative and you're functional, you're going to make stuff. So if you think of yourself as the machine that makes stuff, and you need to optimize it so that it makes the most and the best stuff, then you need to start making decisions based on what makes you function, not based on what works, not based on what is right. So when we look at these decisions of, you know, oh, what podcasting software am I going to use? What what video editing software am I going to use? The, the answer is you're going to use whatever one gets you moving, whatever one gets you functional. And the thing that makes us the most dysfunctional is indecision. So the first step is pick something and then you go use it. You decide if it made you functional, you know, beyond that you see if like, okay, did I have a good workflow? And then you make a new decision where it's like, yes, I'm going to use it. No, I'm going to switch you don't weigh the decision back and forth because that's the slowest part. So think of yourself as the entity that needs to be cared for. Think of yourself as the entity that you need to take on responsibility for. You have charge over that you need to put in the most optimized functional state. And when you start thinking that way, you start making very different decisions.
0: Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And how, how... Yeah, 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 just describe the last 10 years of my life because um, it's that indecision of mine too of, mine too <laughs> <laughs> i'm glad to know not alone uh trying to find which of the things it, it's it's an infinite struggle <laughs> yeah yeah and not that it's like oh you know i've reached some bliss point of never ending um obviously you're know, talking about existential crisis but um but at least but it's better i would take those existential crisis crises uh over any time than living in that vague, in like hazy indecision of like, ah, I just won't move forward or I'm not, I don't know what to do, so I'm not doing anything. Like to me, that's obviously it led to something good, but if someone about six months in to feeling that way could have told me that I could not have to feel that way, then I would have taken that. But I know that things all unravel how they're supposed to and, you know, I can't (laughs) live in regret or time wasted.
1: The goal is to look at decisiveness as a form of skill development Mm. or as a skill that can be developed where it's like the goal is to move towards more decisiveness. It's not to be a decisive person. Yeah. It's to move towards decisiveness. Mm -hmm. I'm an artist. I have a highly open personality. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 (laughs) I had a conversation with a friend the other day that I was like, Oh my God. I just realized him on mushrooms is my normal,
0: <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> you know, like yeah. that's how far apart we yeah. are in on the personality spectrum, yeah, you know, uh, just in terms of my natural predilection towards creativity or whatever, yeah, you know um so so i'm going to you know I'm going to have twenty moments of indecision today, you know yeah. that's just the way it is, <laughs> yeah. And, and and five of them are going to be existential crises.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that's,
1: you know, that's a hundred less than it was on any given day five years ago. Yeah. Or 200 less. I, you know, I don't know. Because, I mean, depression, you know, I was very depressed and anxious. Depression and anxiety is basically a constant indecision. Like, that's yeah. that's pretty much what that is.
0: Yeah, it feels um, like any I, I, choice I, is not the right one, maybe.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean anxiety is essentially future problem solving and future problem solving is indecision like that's what that is yeah so yeah. it's it's hard to even say that they're separate things yeah so so the goal is to move towards decisiveness where you, you go okay i'm going to just steer myself in this direction where i will make it a practice to make more quick decisions and and, and let myself let go of some of these things that I need to weigh back and forth so that I can choose where I weigh things back and forth. And that's my creative gift to the world.
0: And that choice is such a powerful feeling as a creator, not feeling like, like, I don't, it feels like, I don't know, sometimes creatively, like you doesn't feel like sometimes it's even a choice because it feels like you're doing something because you have to do something and that's not feeling very creative. That feels like a job or something, but choose but having, Oh yeah. It's to,
1: it's yeah. so difficult be- yeah. because the, the, the beautiful thing that creatives have to offer is their willingness to go into that place of limbo. It's their willingness to engage in some of that indecision to go. I don't, I, don't, I think of the way that we used to do things, guys. I don't like it. Yeah. I think we should try something new and here's these million options and you know what I think this one here this is the one we should do that's what a creative does yeah it's
0: it's
1: it's uh it's a it's it's an active incredible beauty and leadership and building order out of chaos it's it's astonishing but if we let it be every step of our lives, It makes us impossible, makes it impossible for us to do it where we want to. Yeah. So if we want to offer the value that we really have to offer the world, we have to let ourselves be decisive in these other areas so that we can explore in the places that really matter.
0: Yeah, that makes sense too, thinking about particular, especially older authors that I, I really like. Maybe they aren't alive or anything, but I think of them in their books but they didn't really try to do everything. It's like they just kind of stuck with the writing was their medium to express their ideas. And I'm grateful they did that. I'm grateful they didn't try to, you know, do every type of medium. They just stuck with those things that still today I'll reread a book and, oh man, this is so good. This is, there's nothing like this because they, they zeroed in on that. Incredible. How, um, I agree. How do you, work with people. I know you've got uh, Bitcoin uh, investment going on, which is obviously very different than what we've talked about. Uh, do you work mm-hmm. with you? And you also mentioned creativity workshop. How are you working with people these days? Are you still teaching also, by the way?
1: Um, so I, I don't teach anymore. I, uh, um, I'm working occasionally one-on-one with folks. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I'm, uh, currently, I'm really fascinated by Bitcoin and I'm, I'm working in that area where I've, I've created some investment stuff. Um, but, uh, I've, I've mostly been focusing in on, um, I, I, I need to build out the business structure of what I'm doing. So, um, you know, I, there's, I need to explore the, the sponsorship arena because now that some of my channels have gotten larger, it's, you know, that's a, it's a highly profitable way to to sustain everything. So, would yeah, you if I, can, if I NASCAR? can get that
0: sorted, like a NASCAR Sorry. jacket, where you have
1: like Killa? Ha, there we go. <laughs> Maybe I should just go for it. You know, that, I like that idea. Um, yeah, I like that. Um, but but uh, you know, if I can sort out some of that aspect of of the content creation business, you know, that makes it very easy for me to you know, build out more content and do more of what I want to do. So I've I've been focusing in on, on the, the sponsorships, the, uh, the Bitcoin mining project. And then, um, I'm going to be launching the book here. Uh, it's written, it's getting edited. We've got the artwork finished. Um, it's going to be published. It it should be within the next six months. Nice. Um, outside of those things, we'll see where it goes. Yeah. Well, Well, I'll be making
0: sure to, depending on when people are listening to this um, in the future, I'm saying uh, I'll be, make sure to update the um, show notes. So you'll see the more recent Josh Terry links and what he's up to. I'm excited to read. I can't wait to hear more about that. Like I've been uh, Yeah. the, 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 and I I know our times wrapping up, like, but the,
1: yeah, I'll give a quick. Yeah. yeah, I mean, a lot of the book is about, yeah, a lot of the book is about limitations. That nice. That's, that's kind of where I focused it. Um, the, yeah, the easiest way to, 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 find me probably will be, uh, joshcherryplays.com slash links. That's, that's kind of the, the easiest thing to, to go towards is I, I keep that updated. Um, and that that's whatever is you know the most recent but yeah the the book is primarily gonna be around a lot of the limitations that that empower us um, and I'm it's gonna it go deeper into these these types of topics that, that we talked about today
0: which is is it I don't know if ironic is the right word but that you are so consistent with short form social media and then you write a book that is then long form content and it is based on limitations which Maybe maybe that's part of the book, but it seems like we're moving a lot of the Which I
1: couldn't have written if we wouldn't have split it up into 300 word sections. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's incredible. Thank you, Josh, so much for coming on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. I'd like to thank my guest once again for coming on the podcast today, Josh Terry. I'll make sure to include all Josh Terry links in the show notes, so please make sure and check that out. Give him a follow on Instagram. TikTok, check out his podcast, the Josh Terry Plays podcast. And uh, that's it. That's all I got for this week. we have got a lot of great interviews coming up. I'm super excited to share. Um, Really loving the format to deliver the conversations through this podcast style. Uh, I do wish that, you know, I had way more time to be able to talk with each guest, but there has to be some limitations around it because I honestly feel that these conversations could go for two plus hours very easily. And a lot of the conversations actually have taken place outside of the recording of the podcast. So that's something I need to work better on of clearly identifying how long a podcast should go on. And I'm thinking expanding the time because there is just there is a lot to talk about and I'm finding the people that I'm choosing. It's so great to be able to link up with them on a podcast episode. Um, And then, you know, you don't always know how much you're going to be able to talk with someone. And I keep finding time and time again that the conversations go on a lot longer, but at the same time, not knowing that going into a podcast, it's a bit of a hard sell to be like, Hey, would you like to join me on this three hour podcast when they don't really know me? So, <laughs> so that's probably just something that will come with time, but uh, I do am grateful for everyone that's come on the podcast, Josh Terry <laughs> included. And I really um, uh, honored, respect our conversation And uh, I'm glad I'm able, I'm glad that it's recorded and able to uh, share that with everybody. Um, So thank you for listening. If you haven't already, please make sure to subscribe. Um, If you could, it would mean a lot if you could uh, leave a rating and review uh, on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And that's all I got for now. I will see you next week.